0: Is that a real bookshelf? Those are real books on that shelf? Yes. (laughs) What kind of question is that Quincy? (laughs) There's just so many. (laughs) My name's Quincy. And my name's Kevin. And this is Sentimental Men from Theaterly. We are here to talk and maybe scream
1: about our favorite women in musical theater. Good afternoon Kevin. Hi Quincy. I would ask you how you are but I feel like I've seen you more in the last week than I have in a long time. (laughs) Well we went to see today's guest in her show. Oh that's right. Oh
0: wow we really have been seeing a lot of each other though.
1: Yeah and then we went to lunch with Our good pal, Mikey, fellow podcaster, who we met for the first time. Fellow
0: podcaster, the backstage with podcast. He lives in London and he was visiting New York City. So we went to meet him for drinks at Soho House because Mikey is so fancy. Ritzy, ritzy, posh. (laughs) And then after Soho House. (laughs) So we walked out of Soho House. And okay, when I was home in Hawaii for the break, I made the decision that I wanted to buy myself AirPod Pro or AirPod Max's, the headphones, uh-huh. which I'm wearing in these videos, which you will see in our social clips. I wish
1: I would have worn mine if I knew you were going to wear
0: yours. I kind of assumed that you would assume that I would wear them and then you would wear them as well. Anyway, I made the decision to buy myself AirPod Max's at home. But they were out of stock everywhere in Hawaii. Like, I just could not find it on the island. But I'd already made peace with the fact that I was going to spend that money. So then, come back to New York, met Mikey at Soho House with Kevin, and then we were leaving Soho House, and I see Kevin's AirPod Maxes, Space Gray AirPod Maxes, peeking out of his little purse. (laughs) And I look across the street and see the Apple store, and I was like, can we go buy AirPods right now? And Kevin came with me to get these AirPod Maxes that I'm wearing. I did, I did. And then that girl... That woman who worked at, we
1: walk in. Shout out. Shout out to her. Because Quincy, can I tell you, after we parted ways, I realized how mortifying that social interaction was because, okay, so we walk in and there's this greeter. Why is it mortifying? I'll tell you why. We walk in and there's this greeter and she's got like a rainbow lanyard on. And we walk up and she's like, hey, like, what are you here for today? And before Quincy can even answer, she's like, I'm sorry, you guys are so cute. Are you models? And so she's got this rainbow. (laughs) lanyard on and I'm like great I'm gay she's gay this is a safe space So I was, you, we kind of like laughed and I was like, no, but like, thank you so much, girl. And then I was like, I love.
0: Oh, is that why you called it? You assumed she was gay too because of the rainbow? Yes.
1: And so then she was, so then she was like, oh yeah, like I totally support. And
0: I was like, bitch, I just stereotyped myself to this straight woman. Well, okay. That's fair. That's a fair take. Because when you pointed out the rainbow lanyard, I was like, Kevin, really? We're going to do that right now? (laughs) No, I thought I was like,
1: oh, great. Like I'm gay. You're gay. We're all gay here. This is safe. It was not safe.
0: I was on the train home. It was home cute though because she like, complimented us. It was cute. I love
1: love being complimented.
0: I texted Kevin after that it felt like it was a scene out of a bad TV show because it was just like so cliche, <laughs> poorly written. Do you think she says that to everyone really who walks in and
1: we just felt No, I don't it. think
0: so. I think we came in with an energy. I think because we were so giggly excited on how impulsive it was that I was about to do that. We came in with this kind of frenetic energy that sure. she was just feeding off of. Okay, yeah, I buy that. I I buy it. (laughs) What else? A Strange Loop closed last night, and The Music Man closed last night. Very sad. Sad. Very very sad. Rip. If you didn't see it, both terrific and monumental in their own in their own right. Really and truly, for different reasons. Today, we are talking to Miss Lena Hall, mm-hmm. very, very exciting, currently starring as Audrey in Little Shop of Horrors Boy, off Broadway, she. that wonderful, wonderful production of Little Shop of Horrors, which Kevin and I both saw recently. But before we talk about that, why don't you run us through her lengthy, lengthy resume? So in
1: 1998, Lena was on the fourth national tour of Cats as Demeter. After that, in 1999, she moved to the Broadway production of Cats, also as Demeter, and she she was there like almost to the end of the run. Like, I think she left like a month before. So, that was probably a really cool time to be like at the end of this like monumental. Thing. In 2000, after the big Y2K, Lena joined the national tour of Annie Get Your Gun in the ensemble, understudying Annie Oakley. In 2001, she went into the revival of 42nd Street as Anytime Annie, Annie, which I just want to point out, like, I do not think of Lena Hall as a da 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 dancer, but like her whole first stage of her career were like, she was a ballerina first. I know that, but I'm just saying like, it's just crazy to me how many eras her career has had. After 42nd Street in 2004, she was in the original Broadway cast of Dracula the Musical in the ensemble, understudying Kelly O'Hara as Lucy. In 2006, she was in the original Broadway cast of Tarzan, again in the ensemble and understudying Jen Gambatis as Jane. Then in 2008, absolutely iconic and very important, she competed on The Search for Elle Woods, a cult favorite reality show, which I am begging some streaming service to purchase and make available to us because it's some of the best TV that's
0: ever been made. I feel like we're unintentionally theming these episodes well because wasn't so Legally Blonde connects back to Leslie Kritzer's episode and didn't Leslie Kritzer's episode have a tie-in to the previous episode we did before that? Who was it? With Ali Mozzie? Ali Mozzie. There was.
1: What was it? I don't remember but there was. I was thinking about this too.
0: Yeah. Listeners, I'm sure you remember. Oh, it was Hairspray. Was it Hairspray? It was Hairspray. It was Hairspray. Yeah. In yeah. 2000.
1: 2011, I just want to point this out because it's kind of cool. She was in Prometheus Bound at ART, which I actually saw, and I went to see Only Really Knowing Gavin Creel because this was like right after the hair revival. But that night, I also saw Lena Hall, Leia Delaria, and Uzo Aduba all in one show, and I didn't know who any of them were at that point. Oh wow. Isn't that cool? Was
0: Orange is a New Black not a thing?
1: No, in 2011, it maybe was like one season out. I don't know. But I don't remember mm-hmm. knowing who she was. Oh, wow. In 2013, she was in the original Broadway cast of Kinky Boots as Nicola.
0: To new beginnings, hello to sunny days. That's my favorite melody in Kinky Boots. She had bops in... Boppy bop 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 bops. Especially for a part that did not have a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. I still walk away remembering her moments. Yeah. Always stuck in my head. Um, the most beautiful thing in the world. It's so good. that Dine. Right in her nose too. Ugh. Kinky Boots is actually so good and I'm mad that the off-Broadway production did not run longer.
1: Yeah, I agree. That feels like a show that like could run for a long time on the Chicago
0: model. Kinky Boots should have been our hairspray. Okay. And for hot, whatever reason spicy it did not take. work
1: out. Spicy, spicy <laughs> In 2014, Lena was in the original Broadway cast of Hedwig and the Angry Inch as Yitzhak, which she won the Best Supporting Actress in a Musical Tony Award. Round of applause, hold for applause. And during her run in Hedwig, she played opposite Neil Patrick Harris, Darren Chris, Michael C. Hall, Andrew Rannells, and John Cameron Mitchell. What? Snaps, snaps, it's lucky snaps. Lucky for all of them, honestly, that they got to play opposite <laughs> her. <laughs> Then in 2016, she did a limited engagement, two months on the national tour of Hedwig, reprising her role, but also one performance a week playing Hedwig, making her the first actor to play both roles. Which, like, honestly, what a flex. That is so... Even just, like, vocally, what a flex.
0: I'm also curious... If that was a goal she had, like, when did that mm. become a thing for her, if it ever was? Or did she just get the ask and was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Or was it something that she wanted to do?
1: And kind of like a- I guess we can ask her. Yeah, I guess. We should have her on the podcast. And it's also, that's like such a moment of like- Gender fluidity before that was really a conversation that was happening in musical theater. Totally. Which I think was is really cool. So Miss Lena Hall, she is quite accomplished. She appears on four original Broadway cast recordings, tons of other albums of her own music, both as a solo artist and with her band The Deafening. She has toured the country with Josh Groban as a featured guest artist on his tour. She's been on TV, she's been in films. She was in Snowpiercer. She was in Oh I got she was in the sex. In the City movie. Do you know this? So she's in the Sex in the City movie in a moment where Sarah Jessica Parker sees these four girlies walking down the street and they remind her of of the main four. Mm-hmm. So Lena Hall is young Cynthia Nixon, because she had red hair at the time. Oh sure. Alongside Ms. Kate Rockwell as young Kim cattrall which I totally didn't clock or didn't know. It's terrific because it all filmed in New York. And like annalee Ashford is also in the in the Sex in the City movie. It's fun. There's little treat. Daphne Urban Vega is also in the Sex and the City mm-hmm. movie. Kelly O'Hara is in the second one, I think. Such a little treat for
0: a certain- That's how you know it was produced by gay. A certain-
1: Well, yeah, and cast by Bernie Telsey. <laughs> <laughs> in the land of concerts, Ms. Lena Hall has been in On a Clear Day You Could See Forever and Bat Out of Hell at City Center. She also this year did the benefit performance of Chess. Mm? And she has appeared a ton off-Broadway too, like "Radium Baby at The Public. She did Rooms and Toxic Avenger. And of course, currently off-Broadway in Little Shop of Horrors, one of my favorite musicals as Audrey, one of my favorite roles in the
0: musical theater canon. This was my favorite. Fourth or fifth time seeing this production of Little Shop that Kevin is holding up the Playbill for right now. And I genuinely think this was my favorite time seeing this production. Yeah, this was my third time and I would agree. This cast, this ensemble of people that they have put together is really slaying right now. Special shout out to
1: Andrew Call as
0: Orin and all of the little like (sighs) bit
1: parts. Yeah, we had we had a reaction to him, but also his talent is very <laughs> is very on display in this show. He is so funny. It's like, especially following Christian Borle, I feel like seeing him like stamp that role in a way that is such not a departure, but yeah, just a different sensibility. And also I would be remiss not to just shout out Tiffany Renee Thompson holding down the top line so of all those good. urchin harmonies. Yeah.
0: Ooh-hoo. Who I forgot was in this, and then when she walked on on stage, I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, she's
1: good and wailing up. All the up urchins in the were attic, attic. Yeah. All
0: the urchins, yeah, 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 so good. And I really enjoyed Matt Doyle's performance. It was mm-hmm. very cool to see him in this type of role, especially after he was doing Company for so long. He's having such a fun time, and you That's can tell. Thing. I think that like this is a role that he has really wanted to play or really enjoys playing. Yeah, I agree. And especially opposite. Lena Hall, who is doing just really phenomenal things in this role. Terrific. And singing the shit out of it. Yes. Um, I believe Lena Hall is in it until February 5th which will be very soon after you hear this episode. So this is gonna be also kind of an exit interview, I think, type of discussion with Lena Hall. Just announced replacing her will be Maude Apatow, who Uh, I famously don't watch Euphoria. Same, I don't either. (laughs) It was just so nice (laughs) to hear her singing this score. Mm -hmm. Her, her, Belt is just insane. Yeah, it's
1: it's crazy. And I love like in somewhere that's green specifically, she really gets a chance to like build
0: in that song.
1: Whereas like suddenly mm-hmm. Seymour, it's like, by the time she
0: comes in, she's really like, the song's already going. Mm-hmm. And speaking of build, it is nice because I feel like I at least am so used to hearing Lena Hall just wail all the time that mm-hmm. it was nice to hear the like softer sides of her voice in the beginning of Somewhere That's Green. I agree. And like, the sweet like, lullaby-ness of it all and then building up to like the belt. Which I will say, we actually don't even get Lena Hall TM belt in Somewhere That's Green. She does save that for suddenly seeing more, which I think yeah. is a very smart decision. She
1: knows what to do.
0: And then suddenly Seymour, she was doing options, little alternate melodies in the belting. It was really, really fantastic. And I
1: feel like that's really, like you just said, it's like she's got such a thrilling upper register that like that's the moment where like we got rasp, we got growl, we got, like that's a moment, kind of like you were saying with Matt Doyle, like you could tell he's having so much fun. That's a moment where you could see like she is just like having so much fun ripping into that
0: score. After watching it, I was like, God, I wish Audrey had one more. Song after Suddenly Seymour. Yeah, instead that of wasn't,
1: I couldn't sleep. There go to
0: Like just one more somewhere that's green esque number. Little Shop is such a ridiculous show.
1: I love it so much. I love it so, 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 so much.
0: Anyways, let's get into the interview with Lena Hall. Lena
1: Hall. Bow, 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 bow.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today on Sentimental Men. So
2: happy to be here.
0: Welcome. So our history is we started this podcast as a Wicked only podcast and we were just talking to Elphaba's and Glinda's and through this journey we have learned that every actress in New York City has some sort of a touch point with Wicked the musical. Okay. So now when we have non-Wicked guests on we like to start off by asking them if they have a Wicked touch point that they would like to share. I
2: do. First of all, uh, I went in for the original production at the time when they were casting i was doing radiant baby at the public theater it's original version and i believe george c Wolf directed that and that was the one with billy porter who was in that that's how i met billy porter the first oh. time around and then Ooh. during while i was in that show i went in for nessa rose that was the role i went in for Ooh. was to play the original nessa rose in the broadway company
1: wow i
2: did not get far
1: <laughs> that was that but Now I'm imagining Wicked Witch of the East and I'm I'm regretting. I'm I'm waiting for it.
2: (laughs) Well, this is a long time ago. This is before I could screlch. This is before I was the singer that I am now. This is Mm -hmm. when I still Mm -hmm. had my tonsils. I still sounded like my voice was in my throat. Like I didn't have a great range. Everything was stuck because I had these huge tonsils in the back of my throat. So this was way back in the day. And then then later, then I kept going, getting called in for Elphaba. Right, Sure. sure. And like... Like I would go in, do the damn thing and do the grit and like make it yeah. that. And mm-hmm. they would comment like, oh, she's screwed up her voice. You know, they just didn't want, yeah. they wanted an Idina Menzel, essentially, always. They mm-hmm. wanted someone who mm-hmm. was, who could make her sound and be that. And I, I'm not <laughs> that <Right>. specifically. <laughs> so yeah, so I've, I had been in the show in for the show for a couple of times this is before Mm Hedwig and um i had been in multiple times and uh, every time they would just be like nah Crazy, and did it
0: ever get to a point where you were personally invested?
2: No, well, uh, okay, I've never seen the show. Um,
0: wow, <laughs> and, dirty secret, Lena. <laughs> right.
2: Um, I've never seen the show, but everyone always tells me, Oh my god, you should why aren't you playing Alphaba in Wicked? Right? They say, Why aren't you? I'm like, Well, I'll tell you why it's because they don't yeah. want me. Like, I've been in, it's not, like, it's not like I said no to the job a million times, right? Like, oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, you want to cast me? No, I don't want to do that role. It's not, it's so below and beneath me. No. No, it's no, so yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, it just I never got, you know, I never got <clears throat> far enough in the casting to do it. Mm-hmm. And like, say la vie. Say la vie. I'll, I'll probably never get to play that role unless they change and are open to hearing it differently.
0: Well, it's interesting. You talked about you. that's not at a point in your life where you were singing in the way that you are now. You didn't discover your voice yet. I've always imagined you as having this like insane skrelty rock quality to your voice. Is that something that came later?
2: Yeah. So when I went in for Nesseros, that's when I didn't have the voice. And then when I went in later for Alpha, mm-hmm. I did. Right. So it was it was quite some time later that I started going in for Alpha Gotcha. And um I got my tonsils removed in 2020 2006.
0: <laughs> 2006. In
2: 2006. Was it 20 2006 or 2005? Let's see. I was doing, <laughs> I, was doing <laughs> I was doing I was doing Tarzan the musical
3: mm-hmm.
2: and we were in pre we no we weren't in previews we were in rehearsals and we were about to go into the theater to do to start tech and I always
1: 2006 that was
2: 2006 so I've always had like really big tonsils and I always had tonsil problems ever since I was like a little girl anyway this one day at rehearsal I looked in the mirror at my tonsils and there was this like blood-filled balloon hanging off of one of them and so I was like "Mm, that's concerning so it doesn't seem great yeah so I went up to Shuler (laughs) Hensley and I was like Shuler what do you think of this and I and I he looked and he was like <laughs> he like freaked out and then he was like took me right to Tom Schumacher. Mm. Tom Schumacher took one look. They called Gwen Corbin, who's the vocal specialist, and mm. they immediately booked an appointment with her and sent me to her right away. See, this is the thing. When you're young, you don't know that there are vocal specialists. You only know that there are ENTs. Mm-hmm. You don't know the difference. So I had been going to just these ENTs about my tonsils always, not not thinking I could get them removed, but it was always a problem. So I was always going to these ENTs and ENTs aren't going to be mm-hmm. like, let's take out your tonsils when you're an adult. They never do. Mm-hmm. But right, right. Gwen, who look, took one look and was like, you're a singer? Like, what? <laughs> she was like, we have to take these out, like, now. Okay, so Farzan made me wait until after the Tony Awards. <laughs> Gosh.
0: <Gotcha. laughs> because in theory, does it affect your singing ability? Do you have to kind of relearn how to sing?
2: Well, yeah, I got them out. And then all of a sudden I had all of this space and all of this, like, right. like I had uh, this higher voice. It was open and relaxed. Like there was no tension. Right. I was, I'm not, pu- I wasn't pushing against anything to get sound out.
1: Like suddenly it was just like, right.
2: ah, like suddenly the shining in the, the way.
1: Shape of everything. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So then I start. So, so then I started relearning how to sing and, uh, I had, that was the only time I ever had a vocal teacher. It was with Neil Seymour. And we were just like making sure that my voice, I was doing the proper things with my voice. But then at the same time, I joined mm-hmm. a rock band and I started rehearsing with them like at night mm-hmm. and they would, they would play open chords and they wouldn't change keys. So all the keys were so, so, so insanely high and I couldn't uh-huh. hear myself. And then they would make fun of me and they'd want me to sound like impo- like impossible sounds from a woman like Lemmy from Motorhead who's got this, like, like, voice that's like super deep, you know, it's like insane. I'm like, ow. yeah, yeah. or they wanted me to sound like Axl Rose or like Steven Tyler, like Robert Plant. They wanted me to sound dirty, like, and I'd be mm-hmm. cool because they were like, You're in theater, you're not cool, like, be cool. And I was like, I mean, all right, <laughs> like, I love Janice Joplin, like, so by rehearsing with them and wanting them to shut up, I like started playing around with what my voice could do and how I could get that rasp without the, gr- without it being a growl. So without it being low on my mm-hmm. cords, I was trying to figure out how to put a rasp somewhere up here. And when I listened to Janice Joplin, a lot, I could hear her, I could hear her rasp was, was more like in, in a mix or like in a head tone. Mm-hmm. It sounded like com- it was coming out of her nose instead of out of her throat. Do you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean,
2: I would, I just don't like doing a growl cause it's so, bad for your vocal cords to do a growl that is how Mm. people screw their voices up Mm -hmm. and it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's like i I don't even want to do it (laughs) because i I don't even want to do it you know what i mean it freaks me out yeah it freaks me out to feel that like so you know the, the i figured out how to do this Had to find this weird grit that was like just like way up here, and it was like very little, and it was it was short lived, and it had to I had to be singing super high in Mm. order to find it because I was like in a certain spot of my voice that was like placed higher, and then over time I started to be able to drop the grit, you know, down and down and down. So I mean, all it was was really like, oh, I have this new lease on life with my new voice. Like I don't know what I'm doing with it yet. I don't have all the I don't have to like belt like I actually have this (laughs) space here. And like, I have to relearn how to sing. And the craziest thing too about this is that any song that I sing that I sang before I got my tonsils removed, I can't sing it any other way than how I did. So all the, tar- oh, wow. all oh. the Tarzan music and all that Jane stuff, like all the, all the, cause I was the understudy for, or I was a understudy for Jane that they yeah. never put on, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, <laughs> but like. All that stuff, it like anytime I go to sing it, it's here. And it's so weird because it's stuck in my, it's stuck it's the here. Um, yeah. That's so that muscle yeah. memory. So, so yeah. So, I mean, that's like my vocal journey.
1: Crazy. And then as that was <laughs> happening, then were you feeling people? take you in in a different way? Like, did you feel your the roles you were being s- considered for was changing along with your voice?
2: No, uh, actually, I already had an extensive resume because Barzan was the last show I did before I kind of quit the business because I was unhappy and... Mm-hmm. I was unhappy because like I just I didn't want to deal with being like I didn't want to deal with the politics of being an understudy. It was grossly unfulfilling and it was really frustrating, especially if you were the one they never put on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And and it just made my self-esteem like plummet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you have two understudies <laughs> and they never put you on and then also like, you know, I was kind of like I'm on Broadway. Like I'm doing Broadway shows. I've done this is my fourth Broadway show. I am not happy. Mm -hmm. I am bitter. I, you know, like I'm complaining about everything. Like what is going on? Where's the disconnect? How can I possibly be unhappy? Right. I am on Broadway. This is like every, this is, you know, anyone who is a musical theater performer. I don't know anyone who, who doesn't have Broadway on their list of things that they they want to accomplish as being one of the biggest goals. And so,
0: but I feel like once you're in that, it's so easy to fall into the complaining the about job it, it and jaded. Yes.
2: It's, right. That's because that's because the dressing rooms, when you're <laughs> around people who are bitter and like when you, like when I started and I was 18 years old and I was on the tour of cats, I was in that dressing room and I was learning that looking at the world from this, and like this bitter complaining is normal, and because mm. that's all I heard in the dressing room all the time. This like negative talk about our business, this negative self talk too. Like people always being like, "I can't do that," you know. Oh, it's so hard, mm-hmm, or it's too mm-hmm. hard, or or I'm terrible. And people being like, "No, you're not. You're amazing." And it's like, "Oh, I'm so, I'm so terrible." <laughs> <laughs> it's like that false. It's that idea of being so secure in yourself that you don't need someone to give you a compliment.
1: Right, right. Do you know
2: what I mean? Like, yeah, you don't need validation. You know you're good and you're going to say you're good, right? Like, that doesn't exist in the world, especially in the dressing room. And in the dressing room is where you learn, especially when you're younger. It's your first show. You're in the ensemble. You're in an ensemble dressing room that dressing room is full of people who are just getting there. And then also people who have been there forever. Mm -hmm. And, and Mm -hmm. we, and that's where all that information and, and how that negative talk is learned. It's just passed down through the years. And Mm -hmm. I think by the time I got, I was in Tarzan, I was like, this is not who I am. I am not a bitter person. I am not someone who says I can't do it. I am not someone who stops myself from being proud of myself or, you know, acknowledging my accomplishments or being Mm -hmm. someone who's like, yeah, I'm good at what I do. Like, Mm -hmm. I am good at what I do. I'm accomplished. Like, so I was like, you know, I need to take a step back and figure out what's going on in my head and why I'm unhappy. So that's when I was in my band and I kind of focused on my band and I was like, I want to do TV film, you know? I'm like, (laughs) um, (laughs) 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 so I like did a little TV film, I was like doing every like student film I could find because I was just like mm-hmm. I was like I don't have any experience, any experience. So let me do just student films. It's easy. It's free. It's fun. Right. Free. It's fun. <laughs> it's free for them. Free. Um, <laughs> free. It's, it's fun and it's a good way to get experience without actually you know waiting for a job.
3: Mm-hmm. It's like a mm-hmm. great. It's
2: a great way to be active in your career and like actively learn the ropes without spending money. Like, yeah, taking classes and without, you know, without having to wait for the job to be cast, right? And right?
1: with with so much lower stakes too. Yeah. Like you're not learning on the set of Law and Order. Yeah, you're exactly. Learning with with kids, with yeah.
2: other students, you're just like, yeah. all right, well, let's figure this out together. I did a bunch of student films. I did that reality show, Legally Blonde: Search for All Woods,
0: because <laughs> right,
2: I had been in for Legally Blonde, which let's discuss. Times. we will, yes, we will i had been in For really, really Blonde a ton of times for all the different characters, <clears throat> never getting cast. I kind of felt like I didn't belong in the show, in any one character. I was kind of like between
0: the character i was
2: like in between everything and jerry mitchell liked me so i knew he wanted me to do something and the only character i had been in for was l so it was like when the casting people called me and they were like hey jerry wants you to come in for l he thinks you'd be perfect but you have to do this reality show blah 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 and i was like i was like well if jerry wants me i'll do it you know because i thought then i'm a shoe, and i'm the only person who's done four broadway shows i'm obviously gonna get the job (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and at the time like doing a reality show, did you view that as a way to grow your platform too?
2: Um ki- kind of sort of it was the only way I could get the job, so that's what I was okay with doing. Mm-hmm. But at the time there was no platform. At right, the time it was
1: like that the right cusp.
2: Yeah, it was different. Of it. This yeah. is 2008. Like Facebook mm-hmm. was the thing. So my Facebook grew, but then I got hacked and I lost it all, but it doesn't matter. But, like, (laughs) you know, Facebook was the only thing. And, what we had for the Legally Blonde show is we had our own profiles on MTV's website. And it was like oh, this. Oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was this <laughs> social media profile where you could talk to us and send us messages and talk about the show and whatever. And we had to.
0: And it was actually you?
2: We had to, under contract, be involved in that. And it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> because people were... People were terrible and and they are now still. And it was kind of the beginning of what social media. Yeah, it was the beginning of what social media actually is, you know, a safe place to say really anything horrible to someone. And it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I I wasn't when the show aired, I wasn't I was never gonna win. I was there for whatever Mm. my personality was at the time, which was stupid, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) You're a great character.
2: I was like, why did I say that? Oh my god, what is (laughs) right? But that's so. That's so. That's so. Just me. That's reality TV. No, but (laughs) that's also just so me. Like I'm like (laughs) disgusting, grossly like myself the time, and it's not something that. Like, oh, I was like, ah, oh, why didn't I, why did I say that, like, dummy? You know what I mean. Of course they're gonna edit that in. Anyway, so um, <laughs> so when the show was airing, I wasn't like really portrayed all that amazing, but not terrible. But it wasn't like in mm-hmm. my favor, basically. Mm-hmm. And
0: did you watch it weekly? Like you, were yeah, yeah, we watched wa- it, yeah. watching it mm-hmm. back. Yeah, gotcha. it was horrible to watch.
2: We'll talk about it later. But you know, like. <laughs> So like the comments all the time, it was, and we had, you know, we, we had to do this and we had to answer back. And it's just like, how do you answer back to tons of people who are telling you that you're fugly, that you're untalented, that you, you know, you should go die like really crazy shit. And, um, I remember that being so hard and, and it really hurt. And it was like, it was just one of those things that it was a complete precursor for, for internet bullying and, Mm-hmm. and what social media has done to this society. And and it was, you know, like, I still get hurt by comment. I mean, it never, it doesn't hurt. It mm-hmm. always hurts no matter what. And it's like, even though like, mm-hmm. I'm you know, sometimes you're like, you're like not looking for it. And you're like, right. and you see it and you're like, God, didn't want to see that, but mm-hmm. they tagged me. Oh. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's like,
1: right, yeah.
2: sometimes you can't, anyway. So yeah, so that was kind of like the precursor to the horrible
0: world of social media do you feel like doing the tv show benefited your theatrical career in the aftermath
2: no because at the time i had so i had bought an apartment when i first moved to new york back in 1999 and mm-hmm. i decided that once i saw the starbucks go up <laughs> i was like i think i'm gonna sell so i sold the yeah. apartment <laughs> right when the market crashed right during the mortgage oh, crisis yeah. i sold it so i got I had made money on the apartment, so I was kind of free to pick and choose what I wanted to do. And Mm -hmm. that was when I was doing the reality show, doing all of those student films and like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) doing a guest star on all my children. And, you know, just kind of like lucky enough to have money in the bank to where I didn't have to take a job. So I was still auditioning for theater, but I was consciously making a choice as to what I wanted to be in theater specifically. I had my mm-hmm. rock band and I was mm-hmm. like, you know what? I like rock and roll. I really fit here. Um, this feels good. I love singing it. Like this is my jam. So I'm just going to go for things that are edgy, that are with rock musicians, so mm-hmm. that I have this kind of thing. And that's when I got Prometheus Bound, which was a show at ART that Diane Paulus did.
1: Mm-hmm. And I saw it. You did? I sure did.
2: <laughs> anyway, I searched Tanky and did the music. It was <laughs> So cool. <laughs> it was so cool. It was cool. <laughs> you had Gavin Creel and Leah, Leah Dalarry. He was saying he didn't realize how magic Joe that Abka. cast was. Yeah, it was an
1: amazing,
3: yeah.
2: thrilling experience. And the music. It was so cool. Yeah, the music specifically was so different and interesting because it was written by someone who's not theater. It was written by someone right. who does, you know, like, <laughs> like crazy like <laughs> metal, like, you know, like something that is so not theater you know that's what he does mm. and um and i loved that and so i did that and then i also did the romeo and julia with jeff buckley music mm. oh at William Town. Or williamstown
3: williamstown <laughs> williamstown <laughs> thank
2: you <laughs> <laughs> i did that you know and so i was picking and choosing and then yeah and when i was in rehearsals for the in cambridge for kinky boots or, or sorry for um mm-hmm. for prometheus bound prometheus. yeah right before i left i had an audition for a new musical called kinky boots and the, the music was written by cindy lopper and jerry mitchell
3: right jerry mm-hmm. mitchell right. called
2: me in one specific role Again. that he knew i was perfect for i went in i read and i sang and it was just I remember who it was in the room my first time but it was just casting and i think jerry was in there and uh, Stephen mm-hmm. Aremus probably and then i got a call back mm-hmm. but i couldn't make the call back because i was in cambridge
1: in cambridge
2: so they had me put myself on tape and so i Put myself on tape in my living room and my boyfriend at the time he was a guitarist so he played guitar for the song sang the song did the scene got the job immediately because well they showed it to cindy and harvey after i sent it uh, in
0: Sang the song was it a nicola song
2: yeah it's the Nicholas song that got cut gotcha yeah that doesn't exist I um agree. Yeah, RIP.
0: Okay. But you've, you have a video of it online. I do, right? yeah. I think I've seen it. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. Because we were saying in the intro that melody, the To New Beginnings, mm-hmm. is my favorite melody in Kinky Boots, and mm-hmm. it's like two seconds long.
2: I know. A New Beginning. There was like a whole song. got
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Anyway,
2: so, so yeah, so they saw it, and 10 minutes later, they offered me to do the reading. It was a reading, yeah, to do the reading. Yeah. And then, wow. It was me and Anna Lee, and then there were a f- there was only two other people. Oh, was Stark, no, it right? was it was not always Stark and Billy. It was me and Anna okay. Lee, and me and Anna Lee were at the first reading, and me and Anna Lee were, we saw it all the way to the end, right? Which was really cool.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and then very, you know, I think it was the last kind of lab we did was with Billy and Stark, and that was the that was the golden ticket right that was there. The one. But like that, it was like you know Cindy Lauper, and so I wasn't really doing anything. I had been cast and offered ensemble cover, you know, or ensemble feature mm-hmm. in other shows, but I didn't take it because I was just like in other Broadway shows where I could have made money, but I didn't take it because mm-hmm. I knew it wasn't part of whatever brand I was trying to build at this point.
0: Right. And how would you describe that brand that you were trying to build?
2: I was trying to be seen more like edgy, you know, more as the rock mm-hmm. girl, like.
1: And as a prince, like as a, as a, a principal, principal primary. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I wanted the leads. While I was waiting for Kinky Boots to happen, I did, I sang for a circus.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I, joined, I joined the circus for a while. <laughs> we did it in New York. And then, like, and I was recording oh music with my band. and You know, I was, yeah. I was living off the money that I had made from that apartment. Mm-hmm. And, and it took a long time to, like, come back to Broadway. But when I did... It was mm-hmm. Kinky Boots and even though even though the role went from the most fleshed out, best written role in the show yeah. <laughs> with amazing scenes. Like Harvey wrote these amazing scenes for my character. I was like, Harvey mm-hmm. like, this is great. Like there was like nothing to change and they were, just like, they were just like and it wasn't even me. It was definitely the writing because like I wasn't like so amazing that it was selling it anyway shape yeah, yeah. or form other than what the <laughs> writing was on the page.
3: But right. They were
2: just like yeah, the audience really doesn't like Charlie because they like your character way too much. Uh, Do you know what I mean? Uh, they understand you and where, you're coming, where you're coming from way too much and they hate Charlie <laughs> and they don't like Lauren <laughs> mm-hmm. because like
1: right, right.
2: You're enga- Like Charlie's engaged to this woman who's making sense. Anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, she does make sense. Uh, so, you know, so it got edited down and edited down and edited down and, and then the song got cut mm-hmm. pretty soon it was just like this
0: little tiny part did you ever think about leaving
2: uh yeah but i also was kind of like mm, I'm, I'm gonna see this through this yeah. is mm-hmm. it, it yeah. it'll be nice to be in, in, a, in a cindy Lauper show <laughs> on broadway and it'll be amazing to do a show with, like to be in the Broadway company with Jerry, with
1: Harvey. Like, that was the thing. And the moment that Kiki Boots had, And too. it's the
2: lead. Yeah, and exactly. I originated it. That's all that mattered, really, for me.
1: And that's, like, what you were driving towards
2: exactly. in that moment. Yeah. And what was really cool, too, was that it was seen more as an acting role. as is a singing role, because it was all scenes and very little singing.
0: And so that's... And I also feel like it, it's the role was still written in a way that when you did sing, it was like, oh, yeah. this girl can sing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, the... Accept yourself, and you'll accept others too. That at the end, that was def- yeah. that mm-hmm. was definitely mm-hmm. like them going, "Okay, do your thing."
3: <laughs> yeah, here you go. Stop <laughs> yeah. bothering do some us. Wh- figure so, it yeah,
2: out do, do that whaley thing that you do. And I'm like, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, so we saw you in Little Shop <laughs> last week. Last week, we sure did. Yeah, I think on- it was last week, and it was. Lena. My favorite time seeing this production. I think this was like my fifth time seeing this production. And really and truly, I'm not just gassing you up. It was my favorite time seeing it. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what you bring. It's what you and Matt bring together. The entire ensemble right now, everyone in it is flowing together in such an organic, really good way. It just makes the whole show seem so tight.
1: And it looks like you guys are having fun, which like makes such the
0: difference in this show. Yeah, I agree. So... <laughs> Because <laughs> you've said before that you never thought of yourself as an Audrey, and knowing you as a performer and watching you in the show, that's shocking to me.
2: Well, I only knew the movie, and I only ever saw people do mm. Ellen Green. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it as anything other than Ellen Green. And I remember when it came to Broadway and Carrie Butler was cast, like, that is not who I am. I cannot pretend to be some little ingenue blonde who's like, right, <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's not it's not me i am not a carrie butler type i am not right you know mm-hmm. what i mean right. and i didn't know much about the show
0: gotcha at
2: the time and then you know when michael mayer was like would you be interested in playing audrey ever and i was like i mean yeah sure you know it yeah yeah i love working with you and if you saw me as that then i'm sure it's something that i could do but I didn't right. know that it was mm-hmm. anything that was a possibility for me. Because I always thought, well, I'd be a great plant. Because I'd just like, be like Janice <laughs> Joplin in the background being like, what? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> but then once I got into rehearsal, I saw Tammy. And Tammy blew it wide open. When I saw mm-hmm. Tammy and mm-hmm. how completely different she was, it totally opened my mind up. And I was like, I can do anything I want with this character. Right. Boom. It does mm-hmm. not have to be That. That I know. She doesn't have to be a right. damsel. Yes. It does not have to be a damsel in distress. It also doesn't have to be what Tammy did because that is not what I do. And
3: mm-hmm.
2: so all I knew was that I was like, all right, this has to come from me. And reading the reading the way her character is written is just like, it, it's so beyond heartbreaking. And I don't understand how this trope of ditzy blonde came about
0: Mm -hmm. where people
2: are like she's a ditzy blonde i'm like she's so not
0: right Mm -hmm. well i think little shop has a tendency it can really easily fall into this like just oh it's like this can't be fun musical no with if you're not actually paying attention to what's being said it can come across very silly and goofy yeah
2: Mm -hmm. um but reading her is highly insecure and has led a tough life. You know, Mm -hmm. she's a relatively tough girl just because of the life that she's lit led. She's willing to do things in order to survive that she doesn't want to do Mm -hmm. and that she's not proud of. And She's not proud of herself. She doesn't like herself. She doesn't, there's none of that. Like, and, and she thinks that she deserves someone who beats her. She thinks that like, and it's all written there in black and white. Like it's so clear mm-hmm. on the page, you know, how deeply insecure she is and how and how much she'll stick up for someone that she likes like she sticks up for seymour she sticks up for seymour mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. she sees that he's he's wonderful and she 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 sticks up for him she can't stick up for herself you know but we know a lot mm-hmm. of right. people like that like I used to be like that. I'm like, girl, you deserve so much better. And in the meantime, I'm in like some horrible abusive relationship, you know, yeah. thinking that that's all I could get. Like, and that's the only person who's ever going to love me. No, you know, we kind of been there and I, I approached it from a, a place of really like, just like, who am I? What have I been through that is like her? How can I ground her in a way where it's realistic and it makes sense for the character, but also within the context of the show as well and everything going around on around me. So that... It- <laughs> So that it's a good, like, combination of the seriousness of the character or the, the sadness of the character, but then also the fun of the character and the things going around because she makes jokes about everything, too. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, like, the, the we death. We said the
0: moment when, um, <laughs> the de- when you're in the shop <laughs> and the dentist is like, sorry, what? And you full on go to trauma. I'm sorry, doctor. I'm sorry, doctor. That takes it out of the campiness and reminds you hey, this is like a real girl who's in like a bad It, bad it takes the breath out of the room. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah. That was the one. You know that was there were very few notes, but one of the notes was that we ne- we don't take the Audrey and the dentist do not take that as camp or as funny. It's not a joke. It's serious. Like mm-hmm. it is serious, mm-hmm. and and that in and of itself makes you hate the dentist more, makes you want right. to see more to kill him, makes you want you mm-hmm. know, n- and makes you want right. them yeah. to be together. Like you know, like it does a lot if you take it more like it's serious. seen from a sober view.
0: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was the put in process like? like being the first actress to replace as Audrey? Did you kind of have free range, do whatever you want? Or were there guardrails put in place for you?
2: I had free reign, you know? I mean, basically nice. they were like, okay. they were like, you know, if she does what she does, you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Although they did mm-hmm. want me to sing, not good. And I was like, no, oh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't happen.
0: Thank you so much for pushing back on that. <laughs> yeah.
2: They said it's storytelling and I'm like, well- sure but we are in a musical so people are expecting her to sing and when she sings somewhere that's green that's not like you know this is not t- it's just like it's a song like yeah. it's okay yeah it, it's, yeah. Like, it, it, it's a musical. like i mean I, I i can sound bad if you want but what's the point point? and you know let's raise the key back up and let's you know let's
3: mm-hmm. mm. let's,
2: let's do it let's do it proper you're not you don't have to do change anything about the show in order you know for me like i'll do the original key and so you know it was a big it was a big thing they were like don't riff don't do this don't do that like Mm
3: -hmm.
2: keep it simple keep it the way it's written this and that and the other and i was like all right well i can respect that like that i can do Mm -hmm. but to Mm -hmm. sing purposefully bad doesn't make any sense to me because then that'll take the audience out of the show because everyone else around them is Mm -hmm. singing well and then they'll be like oh she's You know what I mean? So then it makes the audience so aware that it's a musical.
0: Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Instead <laughs> of just true being too, yeah.
2: drawn into the story because it's being told well.
0: And it adds a layer of storytelling too. We were talking in the intro about how you're somewhere that's green, you don't give us the full whale yet, you know, and you save that for suddenly Seymour. And that yeah. is such a beautiful mm-hmm. arc, I think, to follow in the show.
2: And also like I'm not singing how I normally sing either,
0: because um mm-hmm.
2: somewhere that's green, it's just like so much of a voice that I don't normally sing. Like it's like so mm-hmm. mixed. It's in mixed town. It's like in the mask. Hey, yeah, yeah, it's in mask town and I I I never really sing like that. Like even the even Audrey's speaking voice is different than my own and mm-hmm. you know like for for me to find her speaking voice where the audience would believe it 100% and not think that I was putting on a voice that was so important to me like the mm-hmm. whole thing about it, it was just like I need the audience to be on board with this character from the moment she comes on stage and the first thing that comes out of her mm-hmm. mouth and for them to be like, Oh, that's a real person. Not like, Oh, that's Lena Hall doing a terrible accent. or <laughs>
3: doing <Audrey>. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know,
1: yeah.
2: Or, or that, you know, or, Oh, that's Lena <laughs> Hall being Carrie Butler or, or that's Lena Hall mm-hmm. being, you know, Whatever. Yeah. It needs to feel somewhere natural. And like my very first instinct, because I got got no direction on accent or anything. Because I was like, so what?
0: That's interesting. I was like, so what's
2: the accent? (laughs) They're like, I mean, well, New York, right? So New York, they're in New York,
0: whatever.
2: Uh And Tammy was using her natural accent, the Jersey accent, which... I don't Mm -hmm. have and but that was inherently hers. And I was like,
1: oh, you know who I know? Who is
2: quintessentially in my mind, Audrey (laughs) is Cindy Lauper.
1: Oh. Mm. Oh my God.
2: And I know her and I've talked to her on the phone, long conversations, and I've heard her not on. Uh Uh-huh. I've heard her as herself behind the scenes. Yeah. And it is a much more relaxed, much different. Version than than an like than an audience gets
1: right and mm-hmm.
2: that out that clicked me I was like it's her it's it's her and she was almost cast in the movie too which is a really interesting thing
1: oh wow I didn't but, know that
2: yeah but inherently that's just like what came out and then and some things started to develop like my face started to go that way and. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, so I was like, everything's pulling left. I just like can't, you know, I'm trying to like fix my mouth and face. Yeah. <gasps> and, and for some reason that, that all is what made the voice, what that voice is. So, and, mm-hmm. and cause I knew her, I know it and I, I know it so well. And like, it was, it felt more natural to me. And then the body language was also equally important. Like the shoes I asked for the highest heels I could possibly have. Cause I wanted to feel like I was off mm. center. I wanted to feel mm. like I was constantly teetering around, you know, like
1: mm. yeah,
2: the dresses were always, always tight. And the way it was, is that she'd go off stage and someone would pull the dress down and she'd go back on stage. Right. And in right. the character, I was like, well, <laughs> you know, she's insecure. So she would be constantly fixing herself because she's insecure in her mm. skin and doesn't feel good mm. about herself. So she's constantly pulling and, you know, trying to fix herself and teetering around and feeling really just self-conscious and uncomfortable in mm-hmm. who she is and so that was like making her you know from my point of view cindy lopper with a lot of insecurity teetering around yeah. Yeah. that was how it all that's so came
1: together. that's so crazy hearing you say cindy lopper now <laughs> it, like it all just clicked into an entirely different context yeah that is, <laughs> i love that so much
2: anyone who knows her after the show they're like you know who you sounded like right and i was like sin yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: <you think. laughs> they're like i'm like You're sin they're like yeah, they're like, the point, yeah. i'm
2: like yeah exactly it was yeah. <laughs> <of her." laughs>
1: has she oh, seen you good. is she gonna come see you
2: no i mean i could see what she's up to and see if she wanted to come but i wonder if she would block it yeah <laughs> that'd, be <cool. laughs> that'd be funny
1: if she's the only one who didn't <laughs>
0: Right,
2: she was
0: like, where was that exit from? <laughs> like, I <don't> know. <laughs> So from a career standpoint, Little Shop feels kind of like your big return to the New York stage in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. After your Hedwig experience. Talk to me about the time in between Hedwig and Little Shop. And was it kind of a decision to be like, okay, this is how I'm going to return in this show? Or did you just want to get back on stage?
2: I just wanted to get back on stage. I booked T V show, the TV show Snowpiercer and um mm-hmm. I'd never done a series regular on a TV show. It was like I'm going to be famous now. This is amazing. <laughs> like gonna be a huge yeah. hit. It's gonna make my life, my career. I signed the contract. Mm. It was a terrible contract, and it kept me away from doing theater because of schedule. I had no idea. Gotcha. I had no idea what I was getting into. Looking, I mean, now that I know, it's like I, I can make sure that I don't set myself up right. for that anymore. But I mean, it was really tough. I'm really mm. lucky. I had a job during the pandemic, though, so I'll say that. Mm.
0: Um, now the timing of that is actually kind of perfect. yeah.
2: I, I that mm. was really lucky, but. You know, I was supposed to do to the share show, and I, I couldn't do that. And it was yeah. a it was a different show when I was in it. It was more of a. It was more of a. Were you
0: the Teal Wix Yeah,
2: but it was much different
0: than gotcha. what ha- mm. ended up being out
2: there. So you know, and gotcha. I was really sad because I I really wanted to do that because I was like, share. That's kind of like we are simpatico. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? In in, in odd ways, we are. We are definitely simpatico. She always. Saw herself as a rock singer
0: Mm -hmm. and I was like, Mm -hmm. I knew I could
2: bring that dream of her vision of herself to
0: life. How long were you working on the share show? So I did the I did the I did I did the
2: what should have been a workshop, a showcase before it went to Broadway.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I was well before it went out of town to come to Broadway. I was supposed to do it. And it was Michaela and Stephanie at the Uh time. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But I really wanted to do it. And then the the contract was, you know, of this, the TV show, they were just like, can't. And, you mm-hmm. know, and then chess as well. Like chess did that concert in a long time ago, but the concert at the Kennedy Center, right. and I was supposed to do that yeah. because chess has been my project that I actually put together.
0: What do you mean by put together?
2: I put a, like, I connected the pieces. So, okay, so. <laughs> Uh, Danny Strong, who wrote the new book, um, Danny Strong uh-huh. yeah. was like a friend and, and we were out for drinks. This is when I was drinking. We were out for drinks in LA mm-hmm. and he didn't know Josh Groban. So he was like, he was like, how do you know Josh Groban? I love him. We were drunk. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, oh, he came and saw Hedwig and then he followed me on Twitter and then we became friends because we started hanging out and mm-hmm. that's just yeah. how that happened. And he's was like, oh my God, my favorite thing he's ever done is the chess." concert mm, and
1: yeah.
2: and so before this meeting with that i had with danny josh and i had talked about wanting to do a revival of chess together a couple of oh, times but being like wow. oh the book sucks so in my <laughs> conversation with danny i was like oh that's so funny because josh and i had talked about doing a revival together but the book is just not great yeah. so it's like yeah what's the <laughs> point point. And then Danny was just straight up, I know how to fix that book. It's my dream to fix that book. And I was like, really? He's like, yes. And so we were like, well, who would direct it? So we called Michael Mayer that night. We called Michael Mayer. We were like, are you in? He was like, wow. I'm in.
3: And then wow.
2: uh, Michael Mayer called Tom Hulse. Tom Hulse came aboard as the producer. Danny Strong then reached out to Tim Rice and went and pitched his idea to Tim Rice, and that is how all of that started—a drunken conversation one wow, night. Know that. And then wow. we did a bunch of readings, and then then the Kennedy Center was booked. And right, like a few months before the Kennedy Center, I think that was in February, and I had filmed the Snowpiercer um, pilot that September, and then that gotcha. December we found out we were picked up. And we're starting filming in January. And so I called Danny Strong and I called him up and I was like, guys, I can't do the Kennedy center because I just got this TV show.
0: Mm-hmm. is that how tv schedules work you're kind of just at the whim of whatever happens Correct. and you don't find out gotcha you
1: get like a, a window of dates it might be
2: it might be but guess what they fired the showrunner the, the original direct the executive producer left and they had to start mm. from scratch and then they kept just telling me like oh we're gonna start filming in april oh we're gonna start filming in may oh we're gonna start filming in this we're gonna start filming that so that entire year of twenty seventeen, I didn't work at all. Wow! Because I was waiting for the TV contract. show because I was under contract, but I didn't get paid either. Wow,
0: that's so interesting. So
2: that left a really sour taste in my mouth because also mm-hmm. that's. Mm-hmm. But I think that's when the out of town tryout for Share happened as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would line up. Yeah,
2: and then, um, then twenty eighteen, we finally started filming. But we started filming.
0: Well, and then, so you're sitting for a year not working and watching all these other jobs that happen. you had to pass up happen. Yeah. Oh, that is tough. So,
2: uh, And I wanted to do them. I said I didn't want to do them. Like I was 100% all in.
0: I was doing. <laughs> Just hurry up and
1: wait.
2: Yeah. I was doing workshops and stuff. So I did a uh, workshop of the new Reefer Madness. Um, oh, And that was actually supposed to have an out-of-town tryout in 2019 that fall so they were looking like out-of-town tryout in October 2019 and then it would have been on Broadway of 2020 <laughs> <laughs> which is a blessing God. but also, but also yeah. I, I was like I can't do the out-of-town tryout I'm filming
1: right mm. you know what
2: I mean so they were like so oh you're well. just
1: putting the work in in the workshop
2: and then you know and then- yeah and so they were like oh okay well you know I think you and Ethan are supposed to be filming something during the, during the out of town, Ethan, Ethan Slater. And mm-hmm. we were the two um, like main core leads of like who they wanted for the show. Yeah. And so they put the production on hold and then it just has died on the vine. Um, hopefully yeah. it comes back because it was really funny. And I got to play Jesus and I am so into that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, like this Robert Plant. <laughs> Jesus is so, okay, so So yeah, I mean, I was lucky because that Bad Out of Hell run happened like so short and just in, in, in mm-hmm. the bl- before I started filming again, like in 2019, yeah. I was like, I was like, desperate to, to be on stage you know and and i was like yeah in hey, meatloaf fuck it i want to do this you know and
0: i right like what right. a fun show for you to just yeah, do and,
2: and i knew that the book is it, insane you know and the show it
0: <laughs> you gave insane. such like credibility to that production i think like your name being attached got people interested in it when it came, especially I think to New York. Yes.
2: And also I got to sing like the best music. Like we did paradise by the dashboard light with Bradley Dean. And like, that was an insane number. We'd get a standing (laughs) ovation after that number every time, because we were both insane people. Like we, we just, we did it. Remember
0: like like the blood on Bradley.
2: (laughs) And then, uh, and, and then I got to sing the, the fucking high notes and fucking, it's all coming back to me now and go, you know, and go like, go down. Literally, the blocking was walk down center, right, and go. Babe, That's the moment, and go baby, 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 and then go back you to do. your scene partner, right, and sing the rest of the song. But you know, <laughs> I would go down there, I go, <laughs> and the audience would go, you know, it's like,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's nuts, it's nuts. And I was
2: like, yeah, this is like what I am. I am in. This. I'm for this. Like, I love mid show applause. Mm-hmm. It's like my favorite thing. Yeah, it's like my idea.
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: Um, so I was lucky I got to do that show because it was like something that was like a little bit of taste of what I was missing so badly because TV film is is such a di- – it's, it's a different beast and it is mm-hmm. not the same. <laughs> and, you know, like <laughs> right. it, it's not as fulfilling as telling a story from start to finish in three hours or two and a half hours or however, however long the show is. Right. You get the money. And what's beautiful about mm-hmm. film and TV is you have your work beautifully preserved forever but there's no real like chance for character development there's no chance for you're not you're doing the scene over and over again but you're not doing the whole season over and over again, so that you find new yeah. things and you mm-hmm. put the onions on the onions and yeah. uh, onions on and it. It's yeah, coming no at you
0: faster, right? You're not sitting with the material. You don't right? sit with
2: the material. You don't have a long time to just like sit with. The, you know, the, they'll do rewrites, and the rewrites will go in the night before that you film the scene, and there's just like no time to be like, "Hmm, now why did I
1: say this <laughs> now?" Yeah.
2: yeah. At least with the thing with theater is that the repetition is so cool because. Every time I do the show, and with the people who do the show with me, that changes up. You have, you have an understudy on, or a new lead comes in, or something like that. Mm-hmm. The understanding of the script becomes more and more complex every time you do the show. Mm-hmm. And it just mm-hmm. adds to your character and adds to your understanding of the story every single time you do the show. And every time you go through that, you have another layer on the onion is my yeah. analogy <laughs> <laughs> so instead of peeling an onion back you're actually like putting the layers on yeah very yeah. cool i mean that's yeah. if you're lucky like for me that's that's i love doing theater because the the challenge is to make it better and better every single show and never settle mm-hmm. on what i first started with and just mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. much more every single show it never stops you, you find something at the very end you're like oh shit i wish i could have done that right yeah, and that's so. If you're lucky and you get to go see a show that's been running for a while, but you have principals in it who care deeply about a broader understanding of the script and mm-hmm. continually change and find more and more meaning and more and more takes and just more to it every time they're on the stage and not, not settling, like it's, mm-hmm. it's a lucky show because by the time you get to the sixth month of that perf- person performing the show. That is amazing work. That is some Mm -hmm. that is
1: gorgeousness. Mm -hmm. If they're
0: tapped in.
2: If they're yeah, if they're they're not they're not like, well, that's the show, I'm done, you know, and then fly on through the show. But there's like
1: well, and even it too, it's like at that point it's lived in their body. So it's like not only is there the the emotional complexity that comes with that, but you're also seeing them just kind of like relaxed into it.
2: Yeah, which is great. Like it's so great. Uh, And it's fun to see someone begin in in the the beginning of their run because they're just finding it. Um, There's amazing happy accidents that happen within that beginning of learning. But Mm -hmm. you know, the Mm -hmm. great thing, the the most fun thing, is to watch the first show. You know, if someone has a bootleg, watch the first show, and then someone has a bootleg, watch (laughs) towards the end of the run and see the difference in how much Mm -hmm. color and stuff. Like it was cool because on Hedwig, I got to watch every headwigs process that happened. Yeah, yeah. Because it was such a monologue-heavy show, obviously. Like, it's all of them talking about everything, singing everything. It's just like, it's so much to take in in rehearsal period and and to get the full story that when they would do their run, the difference between day one and their last show was so amazing because the understanding Mm -hmm. of the script that they had at the end and their version of it not just the top version, it was their
0: version of it, It was beautiful and just complex. Mm -hmm. And you feel like a very present actress that I'm sure getting to do that show with so many different leads and different types of leads too, affected your performance.
2: Yeah, a thousand percent. And it it really affected it when I actually got to play Hedwig because- I was
0: gonna say,
1: yeah.
2: I watched and listened and learned while everyone did their version,
1: and learned through their
2: version. Yeah. And each Hedwig would bring out something different in the storyline for me. And wow, so, yeah. like, at the end, when I actually got to play the role, it was just, like, everyone coming in and yeah. having this understanding that was so different. I had, like, John Cameron Mitchell's understanding of it, too. Like, I was lucky to have right. that. who
1: has that? Yeah. yeah.
2: I was really lucky. Like, and, and I had his understanding when he broke his knee, which is a totally oh. different show, you know, like. How he dealt with that, where he he did an entire show, one-man show, sitting with his leg up. And yet, (laughs) still, the audience was so enthralled. Mm. Uh Watch someone masterfully do that and just be staring at them the whole time. Like, watch someone masterfully do that. I mean, you just learn so much. If you allow yourself to be present in the moment, if you allow yourself to learn.
0: How did you—was playing Hedwig, the character, a goal of yours— How did that come about?
2: When we were doing it, I had been joked about wanting to do it. And I know Steven Uh Trask had been like, oh, you you would be a great Hedwig. Love to see you play Hedwig. So it was kind of like mumbles of it. But Uh I didn't think it was an opportunity because, you know, I'm not a big enough name, which Mm -hmm. I don't think you need a big name to be in that show. But that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think the show (laughs) itself is so brilliant. You don't need to rely on like, marketing should just be about how brilliant the show is, not about person.
1: And even after the Tony Award, they you still felt like you were viewed that way? Like, you didn't have that credibility?
3: Um,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a view. I have zero sense of, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I ain't Leah Michelle. Like, yeah. I'm not packed in <laughs> the theater. Like, I'm not, you know, demanding a $800 ticket at the theater. Like,
0: I'm not, I'm not... At, but you're you know, not not a name. Level. Like, I think... You being cast in Little Shop is—it's not stunt casting because you are like a theatrical performer, but it is right. like a draw. It's an exciting okay. casting, yeah, oh.
2: for sure. Um, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but but yeah, so but that was always the talk. It was like you don't have a big enough name, you know. It was said to me. But like doing it once a week with Darren in San Francisco and LA, they actually brought that to the table because they knew I didn't want to revisit the character. Of Yitzhak, because mm, the character uh, of Yitzhak uh, is so the hard one. It's mm-hmm. He's so beaten down and he's so berated and it, it's a lot to put yourself through. I mean, I, I still get emotional thinking about that character specifically. Wow. You know, just, it was, it, it came from me. There's no writing on the mm-hmm. character. The character comes from mm. the person playing the character because that's, that's the writing. Yeah. The writing is just right. on the person and on your face. The writing is not in the text. And it just, it was a really difficult time in my life, which is crazy to think. But yeah, 2014, 2013, 2014, 2015, into 2016, that was the bottom of my decline into, Uh. into, you know, alcohol use and drug use and things like that, and being in an abusive Mm -hmm. relationship and all that kind of stuff. And it was very reflected in, that performance
0: but that's interesting because you're navigating all of that personally while your professional life is kind of skyrocketing yeah
2: exactly yeah yeah so they knew i didn't want to come back to the character because it was (laughs) (laughs) was like because by the time you know the the tour came around i was newly sober um Mm -hmm. and i had shed that like i was trying to shed that old thing Mm -hmm. and not come back you know i I just got sober. I got sober in August, and we started rehearsals in, let's see what September. Wow. So for the tour. Um. So mm-hmm. it was it was tough to go back into that. I cried when I put the wig back on. I was like, I fucking don't want to be this. Oh. But the way they got me to say yes was they were like, well, Darren doesn't Darren doesn't want to do eight shows a week, but we have to do eight shows a week because subscribers blah blah blah. And um and so they were like, so we we thought you could play Hedwig. Once a week. And I was like,
1: yeah, right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Puts the wig on. I was like, yeah,
3: Yeah, that's good. Where do I (laughs) sign?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and then that just kind of like accentuated that specific chapter of my life in a way that was like so cool because I could take all Mm -hmm. of this life experience that I had and, you know, and I did feel just like downtrodden and shitty and like I was pulling myself up from the depths of where I had gone to you know, -hmm. just newly sober and trying to stay on the straight narrow and just like, you know, do my job best I could and and then I had all that knowledge from all the other headwigs before me, and it was just like such a cool. It all just kind of came together in time. In the right way. Yeah, exactly. It was very exciting. So
0: I'm glad that happened for you. That
2: was really fun. We had a good time, but I was still like pulling myself out of a hole, and like it was, it was tough. And I was not. I would say Darren and I's relationship has become more of a friendship after that than we were mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in it. I mean, I was there for him, and I was on his side and I was like happy to hang out, but I was, I was, I was much more in my own
0: hole. Cause I was trying to get out of right. what I had yeah, been going through. Yeah. Yeah. The last, last part.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You've already kind of done this with us. So if you don't have an answer, that's fine. <laughs> but we like to ask about career roads, not taken a job or opportunity or yet to be taken.
2: Career road's yet to be taken?
0: Not or yet. Up to you. What what does that mean? So a career road not taken could be a job that you really wanted and didn't get. A job that you had to pass for some reason. A career road yet to be taken is a job that you really want to do. Or a dream project or something.
2: A dream project. Oh, this is within TV film theater. We're talking.
0: Yes. Multi-hyphenate.
1: You go wherever it takes you.
2: (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, there was a bunch of things, you know, that didn't work out because that TV show. So it was really...
1: Mm -hmm. yeah 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 Yeah. but let's
2: see Mm -hmm.
1: those were the roads closed yeah blocked rerouted
2: (laughs) yeah i mean look if i had stayed blonde my natural hair Mm -hmm. color is blonde if i had stayed blonde Mm -hmm. i think
1: it all would have been my life would be
2: completely different i mean if you think about like the decision to quit the business and join a rock band and sell my apartment that's like a Big ass. (laughs) So if (laughs) I hadn't sold my apartment, I would have had to keep taking jobs and I would still be in the ensemble Mm. on Broadway.
0: Mm -hmm. You think? Not with that voice.
2: I I don't know (laughs) because there's so many I mean, if you think about it, there's so many Mm -hmm. insanely talented people on Broadway who are in the ensemble Mm -hmm. and who are understudies or swings and they can't get out of that because they Mm -hmm. don't have the opportunity Austin. to say no and right. go for the shit pay <laughs> and live right. off of some right. savings right. somewhere. Right. And like, just build a career the way you want it. Like that was yeah. what was so lucky for me. was that I had that opportunity. A lot of people, you know, they need to take the jobs. So they're not right. able to stop and be like, no, no more. I'm going to just be a lead. And I'm just going to be this type of lead.
0: Yeah. Yep. Very interesting. But for, well, other we are careers. Glad that we are in this universe.
2: For other careers, yeah. um, interior designer, architect.
0: Hello. <laughs> <After the bookshelf. laughs> is that a real bookshelf? Those are real books on that shelf? Yes.
1: <laughs> what oh kind of question goodness. is that? Quincy?
0: <laughs> There's just so many. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, you don't even Breaking. Alina <laughs> Hall can read. read. You heard it here
0: first.
2: <laughs> <There you go. laughs> Here, taking under. Oh God, there's laundry on
0: the dining room table. I apologize, but. Oh. oh my God! Look at that dining room table.
1: Okay, I'm looking at the outside though.
2: Okay, so that's all books.
1: Oh my God! Oh my gosh. Real books.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Quincy, I Real cannot believe books. how surprised you are at books. Look at
0: this. Like you <laughs> know, so many. This is beautiful. beautiful. Your house is beautiful. Thank you.
1: Interior did you designer. did you
0: design your house? I did. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Oh, wow. You wow. Know. Okay. So this could actually be another career. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> so, really quick story. During a little shop, one of the girls in the dressing room was like, my room, my, where I'm living, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm. yeah. I was like, well, I mean, I can always take a look at it and help you out and help yeah. you like <laughs> organize and figure out where things should go and like what the best layout is. And blah, 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 blah. I can like make suggestions yeah. if you have a budget. I can make suggestions things you can get that are cheap that will help wow. the space, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then one of the other girls who's actually swing, she was, she's a producer and she's like, this sounds like a TV show. And I was like, oh yeah, I've always wanted my own like HGTV show. I was like, I already yeah, have yeah. a name uh-huh. called Lena Overhaul.
0: But- <laughs> <laughs> let's start it with, let's start in Broadway. You go and make That's over what people's I dressing do. rooms. Exactly. That's well, not, it. Not yeah. dressing
2: rooms, not dressing rooms, but I want to go to my friends, you know, all my Broadway friends go to their oh, yeah, place, yeah. organize and like do, and then Andrew Call. I love it. Andrew Call is yeah. like a a licensed contractor. And he was like, Oh shit, I'll be your licensed contractor. I was like, that's perfect, because it'll be Lena Overhaul with Andrew Call.
0: Wait, <laughs> oh <my> God. <laughs> pitch that to like an editorial site or something. Where do I sign?
1: <laughs> Who do I send my check to? That is incredible. <laughs>
2: right. So we love a- that. really yeah, we'd, cool. We go and film like a little it would be like a little half hour show. And you do all the Broadway yeah. talents and go there and like you know do small space cuz it's new york so small spaces are always the key and yes. the thing and and like i'm obsessed with organization and i'm obsessed with like proper use of space and things like that so like that's that's wow. what it would have been mm, but i don't have time <laughs> <laughs> i'll have time
0: oh my goodness
2: i'll have time in the middle of the next year maybe there's so <laughs> much on the Ooh, table right now of time and i'm really excited
0: really like, but that's fun stage
2: Please, What's, fingers crossed stage. Fingers crossed for me that okay. it all works out. This is stage and mm-hmm. film-ish, but it's also stage, so it'll be stage
0: film. Okay, this is exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm just happy to have you back in the theater too. world on Me
2: stage. too, But fingers crossed, please, because scheduling yeah. needs to work out, and it needs to be, like, all the producers need
1: to be on board, so. I can't wait to see how this turns out.
0: Yeah, so cryptic. Lena Hall, thank you so much for coming <laughs> on Sentimental Med.
1: You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Kevin, I feel like we do need to inform the listeners of the drama that this episode entailed. It's been a saga, an epic tale (laughs) with battles with technology. So we sat down with Ms. Lena Hall, recorded a great interview, which you just listened to. One of our best. Thank God. And then when we stopped recording and said goodbye and everything, we looked into the little area of our recording platform that houses all of the audio and video files and had like seven seconds. Of video slash audio that was recorded and silent, like no one was even saying anything. <laughs> had and I, nothing. I noticed it. No record. And I was like, Lena "Don't Hall. freak out, Quincy. Maybe, maybe you're just like not looking at this correctly." So I was like, "Hey, Kevin, I'm gonna log out and like tinker around a little bit to see." You just like sit tight. And I looked, and I was like, genuinely, I don't think that anything that Lena said was recorded in this platform. So I log back in. And this was on a holiday. It was Martin Luther King Day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Log back in and inform Kevin. And I feel like we both just kind of stared at each other for a while because we were both just... Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was a big moment of defeat for us. I felt very sad hanging up from that <laughs> recording session.
0: Yeah. Cause it was kind of like, what do you do? We had this like great conversation and now great that like Kevin and I got to remember that forever, but it wasn't documented. So it was kind of sad and frustrating. Yeah. Um, but then we decided to sleep on it. <laughs> And try again and figure it out the next day. Call back in the morning, won't you? Yeah. (laughs) And like tinkering around, there was some cloud situation and you could pull files and blah, 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 blah. I don't know what happened, but all I know is I was able to download a file of Miss Lena Hall's audio recording and we were able to put together this episode. So God as bless, you know. as you know, as you just listened to. And aren't you glad that we were able to figure it out, listeners? I, for one, am glad, Quincy, because <laughs> when we hung up with
1: her, I like flat out said to you, I was like, this is going to be one of our best episodes. Like she was such a great conversation. Like, like, and she i feel like she came in with like a really good sense of like the kind of information we wanted to talk about and like it was a good mm-hmm. balance of like career talk but also like some tea it was mm-hmm. i had such a good time
0: talking to her yeah she was so candid it was very nice to be able to speak to someone who was so open and willing to discuss the Peaks and valleys of her life and career. The peaks and the valleys. I did think it was interesting how deliberate she has been about her career since day one and how realistic she was where she was like, listen, the only reason why I was allowed to be choosy and kind of craft this brand and journey for me is because I had this nest egg and sold my apartment and blah, 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 which Mm -hmm. I think is like a very important thing to remember when we talk about these actors and actresses and artistic careers where like there is a very real financial side to things where sometimes people just need to take a job to take a job yeah definitely that struck me too is because she kept saying things like you know that's what
1: i do or that's not what i do and i really think of her especially in retrospect as one of the first actresses to really realize and embrace that her career and her identity as an actress was a brand and treat it as such Mm -hmm. because i feel like she i feel like early on she got dubbed as this kind of like rocker chick even though Mm -hmm. she's capable of so many other things. And
0: I feel like she Mm -hmm. really leaned into that and it got her a Tony Award. One, I'm also curious how her brand slash career would be different had she had the Bailey Hanks, had she won the search for Elle Woods and Mm -hmm. played Elle Woods? Because one, what would her Elle Woods be like? (laughs) I would love to see it. But wait, also with Legally
1: Blonde, I can't remember if she said this to us or if it's something I read or heard somewhere else but she truly had been in for like every role in that show like imagine
0: her vivian imagine her brooke Wyndham. well i was thinking vivian the whole time when she was talking about that i was like her vivian would slay the house down so stupid (laughs) the rasp too on that (laughs) which would
1: then be so fun to have like a vivian who's like real buttoned up but then when she finally sings she's like Ah! a rock star yeah Yeah, that's actually
0: fun. But that's why I'm like her Elle Woods, like imagine so much better. And I'm also thinking that would definitely affect how she was viewed in the industry had her big breakout been Elle Woods. Definitely. Yeah. Like would she have
1: been slotted into the Glinda lane? I don't know. Because it also had so I feel like her career trajectory based on what she just said to us also had so much to do with her tonsil surgery and like the change that that brought to her singing.
3: Mm hmm hmm
0: I would love to see the Lena Hall interior decorating show. Oh, my God. Me too. Especially because I feel like she lit... We talked about her career, what she is passionate about and everything, but she lit up when she started talking about interior decorating.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, I feel like she's done so many things. So, like... What's a TV show? Add it to the
0: list. You know what I mean? Like she contains multitudes. She can do it. Uh, do you want to talk about that video that is making waves online today at the time of recording? I do want to talk about that.
1: Just so everyone knows, we're talking about Ariana Grande wrapped in something pink. Very heavy, like cottony looking blanket. Yeah. Like the Lenny Kravitz scarf, but like with a little head hole in it. And she's singing somewhere over the rainbow and it's,
0: well, what did you think Quincy? What did that do to you? You know what my f- uh, first thought was? I was like, we've seen... She's been posting with blonde hair, so why is she making the active choice to cover the blonde hair right now? I had the same thought. As if she's hiding something. I'm like, what is different that like we can't see right now? That's kind of immediately where my brain went. Yeah. And then I saw the little the text that she was putting all over where people were saying, why, she, why isn't she a singer anymore? And she was like, girls, I'm literally recording, like filming a musical movie for yeah. all of you.
1: Let me be. Also...
0: What was the second one? There was a second little She was like, thing I'm was like, in oh, the she's... middle of
1: getting ready. I'm hiding the Glinda hair. I'm recording
0: a movie musical. Oh, yeah. Getting ready, hiding Galinda's hair. I l- thought it was interesting that she chose to include Galinda. I was like, yeah. Okay. Scholar. Literally, scholar. literally on set filming, filming two musical one. movies all day, every day. <laughs> Yeah. And I, mean, I it's you know Thank so. you, Ariana Grande for posting this. <laughs> okay, so I did have the same thought
1: about the hair because I was like, we've seen it. and I every time she was like adjusting right. it, I was like, Kind of like look to see if I could spot. Yeah. And then she said she was getting ready. And I looked and it kind of looks like she was like in her trailer, maybe. But then I'm like, if she's got a wig on, the hair and makeup team's gonna be pissed that she's like wrapping it up in this static filled. Do you think pink she's doing thing. wigs?
0: I was assuming that she's like doing real hair for this. I don't know. She might be. If
1: I were Ariana Grande, I would not want my hair to be going through that kind of like styling and everything every morning. Mm-hmm. That's an hour more she has to Why be dye it blonde an hour earlier she has to be on set because the lace line will be cleaner. Maybe she's wearing half wigs mm-hmm. like Stephanie J when she was doing press for Share Show. Maybe it'll be a wig with her hair pulled back, <laughs> blended into it.
0: I saw a tweet that was like, I love that no matter who covers Somewhere Over the Rainbow, there's a little bit of Judy in the voice, no matter what. Mm-hmm. And that is definitely true with this video.
1: I agree. I agree. And also, I mean, she sounds rested. She sounds healthy, which I love to hear. I thought
0: the amount of vibrato that was present was very promising. Very
1: promising. It was a little bit of a flex because I feel like a, a lot of the like doubts that I have heard are like, she can only sing pop music or like, right. she's not going to sound right. And she said, oh, y'all want to hear the musical theater voice. Here's the musical right. theater voice. Yeah. yeah. She sounds It seems so very good. off the
0: cuff. She's just responding to things, but this is a very calculated, I think move. The <laughs> rollout this out is, World. so good. Uh next week at the time you're listening to this next week Stephanie J Block will be in Washington DC playing Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard. And we will be in Washington, D.C. watching her play watching Norma Desmond it. in Sunset Boulevard. I am so excited to see my favorite actress in my favorite show. Kevin, you got to see your favorite actress in your favorite show earlier this year in Into the Woods, and now I'm getting it in Sunset Boulevard. Wow. I did in fact point this out on the podcast before, but, <laughs> but yes,
1: that is the truth is we are both seeing Stephanie in our favorite shows,
0: which is very special. Not everybody gets that right. That Now I just need Adina in Gypsy. And then I think I'm pretty good. For and
1: I need Stephanie life. in Hello Dolly is, is mm. truly what I need more than anything. <laughs> all right, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Sentimental Men from Theaterly. This
0: episode was produced by Quincy Brown, Kevin Bianchi and the team at Theaterly.
1: Thanks to Anthony
0: Abitangelo, the most swankified podcast editor in town. And another thanks to Michaela Reynolds for making us look downright osmopolitan in our new key art. And to Julia DiMarzo for our logo design. If you want to get in touch, send us an email. We love
1: to hear from you all. You can reach us at sentmenpod at theaterly.com. That's
0: T-H- E-A-T-R-E-L-Y
1: You can also connect with us across social media on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at
0: Pod. Thanks for tuning in. Till next time, I'm Quincy. And I'm Kevin.
1: And I love the stark contrast of
0: like Cynthia's giving us nothing, (laughs) not a single thing. But the day she drops a green pinky or something on her grid, the world is going to (laughs) explode. It's
3: all over.